Hi everyone, I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth, and this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. I'm so excited to share with you our new five grain and seed oatmeal multi-packs. We just launched two incredibly delicious varieties, classic cinnamon and banana nut. Our new oatmeals are unlike anything on the market, intentionally crafted with a plant-based protein blend of pea and chickpeas, sweetened with coconut sugar, plus superfood ingredients like chia and flax, perfect to fuel your busy day. These single-serve packets are total game changers with irresistible taste and texture that's ready in literally a minute and perfectly suited for our new lifestyles back on the go or those days that we're still at home and you want an elevated quick breakfast. So we have an exclusive deal for our Live Purely listeners on our new oatmeal multi-packs. Use code LIVEPURELY, that's L-I-V-E-P-U-R-E-L-Y, for 20% off all online orders now through July 31st on purelyelizabeth.com. Happy shopping! I'm joined today by Priscilla Sai, founder and CEO of Coco Kind, a conscious beauty brand dedicated to providing high-quality skincare products at an accessible price. Rooted in sustainability, affordability, and inclusivity, CocoKind began its journey in one single Whole Foods store and has since evolved to become a fast-growing D2C business. The products can also be found in national retailers like Target, Anthropology, and online at Ulta.com. In today's episode, Priscilla shares her journey in starting CocoKind, which was born out of her own skin troubles. After years of using severe prescription acne treatments, Priscilla wanted to create a solution that would create long-term gentle results. We chat about her vision to transform the beauty industry by empowering consumers with deeper transparency, how she's dedicated to creating an inclusive brand and including her consumers along that journey, the importance of what's inside the bottle, the realities of being a solo founder, her favorite products, and so much more. Keep listening to hear all about her journey. Priscilla, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm so excited to share your story and share all about Coco Kind with our community. So thanks for coming. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. So at Purely Elizabeth, our mission is to help you thrive on your wellness journey. And I always love starting out with that journey for you. So it'd be great to Take us back to the beginning for you and really what led you to start Coco Kind. So for me, I started the business because, and it was, it was in some ways really surprising and other ways not, but I struggled really significantly with my skin growing up, um, had hormonal cystic acne, saw my older sister also struggle. We've been on the whole range of prescriptions, topical, internal, antibiotics, birth control, all that really for my skin. And it was always just like the number one insecurity for me, just dealing with my skin and feeling like I had to like either, you know, hide it and or like cover it up or just feel like I was always struggling. And so in that journey, I had been trying to understand why my skin was so sensitive because I would literally have to put on moisturizer in the dark every day because my face would sting so badly and the light would cause my my eyes to tear up. And it was just like a really painful process. So in that process, I started to just do more research about ingredients and skincare 
never really thought that I would start a skincare business at all because it was the number one insecurity, like I said. But interestingly, I did grow up with a mom who's a small business owner and saw her run a business and always wanted to start a business. I just never thought it would be um, in skincare. But ultimately, you know, long story short, I just fell in love with learning about ingredients for your skin and trying to simplify it a little bit more and realizing that like so much of the relationship that beauty brands have with consumers are so unhealthy, where it was marketing to this idea of perfection and really making people like me feel really bad about themselves. And in addition to that, realizing that like we're not really paying for what we think we are. And there's so much challenging of the status quo of the beauty industry that I wanted to confront. So that was ultimately the reason why I decided to start the business. I fell in love with skincare ingredients. I was too insecure to actually start a skincare business. But after doing so much research on the industry, it kind of felt like I was compelled to do so. So what were you doing professionally while you were doing all this research? So I worked in finance. So I I went to school for finance and accounting and ended up in New York. My last job before Kind was at JP Morgan and I covered equities. So very different, but... Yeah, really different. (laughs) You were researching all these ingredients, realizing, I guess, that many of them were were probably not the main ingredients in the products that you were using. And then what was that process like really to say, okay, here's ingredients, there's maybe an opportunity. How did you go from that to the idea for CocoKine and then launching? Because so many of us have might have that idea, but never do anything with it. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it was something that as soon as I decided that it was, I was going to start the business and I kind of never looked back and it ended up being something where I was just every day trying to accomplish like the small steps, right? Like it's not about like, oh, like looking at things from this high up angle. It's it's about like realizing like what is the immediate next step that I need to do to, to move forward. So it started off as like researching ingredients, researching formulas, trying to figure out where we produce, where we source these ingredients. And then, you know, all the way to like every day trying to figure out the packaging, the design, the selling, the, you know, all all that stuff. But it was just like, I, I feel like I just really took it like one small step at a time, but like really quickly to get off the ground. And I was so excited about it. Like, I think that first year I would say was probably like the most fun year that I in looking back that I think I'll ever have because there's like nowhere to go but up and every milestone was like this like amazing thing that you're accomplishing from nothing and so you know that that first year was just super fun yeah I feel a hundred percent the same and as you're saying this I feel it in my gut of that like remembering that year one was just everything was exhilarating it was such an exciting time. And I think you bring up such a good point about taking everything like step by step that it, Mm -hmm. it just can seem so daunting. And it's such a good approach to really make it manageable and move forward with whatever it is you're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many memories back then. And and of course, like, it's, it was very difficult. But you know, you're just you're learning so much every day. And in my case, it was something like I never people always ask me, like, did I question 
where their ties are a question, this decision or anything. And like, truly, I'm really lucky because I, there's like never one day where I questioned that. And I was just like, so laser focused on like figuring out what our path was um, and just trying to figure it out and make improvements and change and do this and do that. And never really allowed the idea of like, perf- like perfection to, to stop me from like just doing things. Yeah, you just learn along the way and figure it yeah. out. Yep, exactly. So what year did you start? Um, we launched in 2015, yeah. Okay. So you yeah. had so much growth since then. And I think, you know, have really come into the marketplace with such an important message around transparency, around transparency in product and pricing, packaging. Mm-hmm. I would love for you to talk through, you know, kind of all those pieces of it and how you approach beauty differently than the rest of the market. Yeah, I mean... You know, the beauty industry is, is there's so many players and indie players and big players. And, and every day there's, there's new, new brands popping up. I think that's actually like we're lucky in that way because it drives a lot of innovation when there's just a lot of people playing the game. And I think for us, like it goes back to the reason I started this business was just to change that relationship. Beauty industry being one where it's like, just so wasteful, but also uh, such a uh, the lack of transparency about why things were the way they were, and just this mismatch of like the actual benefits that people experience from buying their skincare products and what was touted to them, and um, the pictures that that we were seeing. And so, I think for me, it was about like almost like this insecurity that I had starting this business about being like a really real person who dealt with real skincare struggles, knowing that like that was going to be super relatable. And I always want people to come to Coco Kind in, and whether you're seeing us on social or a website or email or in person to just feel good about themselves and to feel like they don't have to change themselves to fit into this brand. And the beauty industry is like, one that is really exclusive. You know, it's, it's, it's been exclusive in terms of marketing, but it's also been exclusive in terms of pricing, everything. And, and so I think we really wanted to just like flip that and make it as inclusive as possible. In that inclusivity, we all, that also translates to like including people in, in our business decisions. I think this like idea that your company, your favorite companies, because we know these days that like people don't just consume their products they they consume like the brands and the values behind the company they they consume they want to know about the founder they want to know about you know the team they want to know about their favorite consumer brands and so that means that you know for for me like i we want to bring in the consumer as much as possible to the inside and and teach them a little bit about like how things work and why we make the decisions that we do and I find that that not only educates consumers about what we're doing, but it also, you know, gives a, us a lot of room to continue to grow versus like pretending to be like perfect. And like, you know, we're, we're, we're figuring it out. You know, every day I do this, I feel like I, the more I don't know. And I think that the, when we share these things with our consumers, they understand that about us and, and it ends up being a company that, that people just want to support. I love that approach. And I love particularly not having to be perfect and sharing that. So I know that's one of the things that you're doing with 
sustainability and mm-hmm. uh, showing that on packaging. So it'd be great to talk a little bit about that because I think yeah. how you're sharing that with the community is super authentic and relatable and just really important. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's all about like taking that step. Yeah, exactly. And and so we added carbon labeling to our packaging. We also added our formula breakdown on our packaging as well recently. And that's rolling out this year. I think the it, really the impetus for this was just learning about, um, or us trying to figure out more about these claims, like the problem with claims. And this isn't just in beauty, but it's really, really big in beauty, the reliance on claims, whether it's clean, sustainable, science-backed, um, dermatologist-approved, et cetera, and realizing like the standard for these like really doesn't exist. And there's just so much that consumers are seeing out there, but they don't actually know what it really means. And then as more people come in are using these claims, then they just get diluted more and more. And so the idea behind this, as we were trying to tackle that last year was like, you know what, like, we have to get to a place where we can rely less on claims. And instead, let's just show consumers the work that we're doing. And that is so much more powerful than saying like, you know, hey, we're clean. That's what we decided is that, you know, that the we are going to really put it out there, whether it's our formula breakdown or the carbon labeling that we had already been, you know, on the on the path to, to researching and achieving. And just for our own knowledge, not not for the label, but, but it was a big decision because it was like, do we want to like put this out there? It might not be perfect. It's going to change. You know, there's a lot of moving pieces in this. Uh, and I remember when we launched, we did get not a lot. I mean, it was mostly just a lot of people appreciating what we were doing, but there was a question that I heard around like, well, if consumers don't understand this, is it really worth doing? And my answer to that was like, you can't like, we're not going to wait for the whole world to like, you know, do this and then us do the work. We feel like, you know, the burden of education is on us if we're putting this out there and we will educate about it. But at the same time, like it, you know, it can't be this like chicken and egg thing that like just because the consumer doesn't understand that the brands never do the work behind it. So I feel very strongly that like the it, it's the brand's responsibility to educate the brand's responsibility to lead the consumer because ultimately we're the ones putting, you know, a product and, and waste out there. So part of the education is just being really real and honest about like the pros and cons of everything. Like there's never a best option. It's just kind of like what's in this moment, like a better option, given the information that we know now. And there's a lot of intricacies that go into that. And it, it's not something that, you know, if you, you spend $5 on a mushroom based packaging, like, how, are you going to have money to do like to not charge, you know, $40 for something that should probably cost like, you know, 20. Um, so, you know, there's just so many pros and cons to it. And I think just being sharing that and educating on that, helps the consumer make more comfortable decisions for themselves. That makes sense. So it's interesting as you're talking about claims and made, made me think about uh, when, when we came out with our body scrub about a year or so ago, and it was so eye-opening, the difference in labeling needs in food versus beauty. Yeah. It was really amazing. And so I, I love you know, that you guys are just being so transparent because the industry doesn't force you to be. I mean, you don't have to put all that stuff on the packaging. Yeah. 
And then you also just mentioned around pricing. So I think another misconception about beauty industry are these really high prices and better ingredients command that, but that's not necessarily true. And so Mm -hmm. be great for you to touch on your approach to pricing as well. Yeah. I mean, good ingredients, yeah, obviously will cost more than, than less quality ingredients, but there's so much that goes into that, that, that the consumer doesn't necessarily see all the time just from looking at the ingredient list, um, or they might not know the ingredient. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, I think understanding like the breakdown of, of pricing means there, there's a lot of products that are, you're paying for the packaging, you're paying for the branding. I think, you know, that's always been the case. And it's, it's been like a widely accepted thing in beauty or like you're paying for the brand. And that's like something that we wanted to challenge. It's like, it doesn't make sense. Like we're not like a celebrity founded brand that we're, you're just trying to put out something that's like beautiful and that doesn't, you know, really work. Not that all celebrity brands are like that, but it's like, that's not who we are. Like we are the inside of the bottle first and foremost, and then everything else makes sense and and has to of course be cute and pretty and like you know photogenic but at the same time like that's not what we're like solving for in our pricing everything else has to work within our pricing framework that's not like how we determine our pricing and so that is I think really different than like historical standards in beauty at least for you know the the certain tier of price point products and for me, as I learned more about like formulating and the cost of ingredients and everything, it just became really clear to me that like these products don't need to be $50 or $40 or, you know, even higher sometimes. And this, like we can do this more accessibly. And yeah, we're not, we're not an under $10 brand, right? Like it's still not like super affordable. But at the same time, like we're having these like extremely high quality formulations where we're putting the bulk of our investment into the bottle rather than the bottle itself and then able to sell it at an under $25 price point. And so that has always been a value for us. And we make it work along the way with the rest of our business decisions. So we never really sacrifice how we think about like the formula itself. So it's all about what's inside the package and those ingredients. Yeah. So as we talk about ingredients, what are some of those guardrails for you or non-negotiables as far as, you know, how you look at ingredients? Yeah, I mean, we want to understand like the supply chain of an ingredient as much as possible to understand like if if something is, yeah, just like how it's harvested and how it's made, manufactured, distributed. We also want to understand the research behind it, of course, you know, like what studies were done and what, what clinical trials that we can see evidence of and, and, and know that like if we're putting it in, in our products at an effective level, that like it's going to do what it says it does and, and validating that on the back end and doing our own work about that. So it really comes down to just like efficacy research as well as supply chain. The other thing is like we don't use like marketing level ingredients, right? Like that's a big thing in the in in beauty where you'll see an ingredient and it'll just be in there for the label, but it's not actually in there at an effective level. And so that's something that we believe that every ingredient that we're we're using should have like a, a significant purpose. So with that, we 
are just really strict about like our formulas, like between those two, you know, parameters, it ends up being like a lot of work to decide like what, when something is accessible or not. And so, yeah, I, I think that's like the, the, the basics behind our formulating standards that um, make us a little bit more, we're just doing a lot of research. I'm so curious hearing that to understand the difference in food versus beauty products of what your time looks like for innovation. And, you know, if you have a new product idea from concept to market, what's a typical timeline look like for you? Typically, it's probably like, it's at least like a year. So it could be like a year to 30 months, I would say. And the longest was like our SPF. It took us like over three years. But that was like a lot of trial and error. It wasn't like one product or one formula that we were tweaking. It was like one formula starting from scratch, another formula starting from, you know, <laughs> just like a lot of iterations. But if you uh, typically, I would say like a year is like the bare minimum. And that includes like all of the the research, upfront research, the, and then the, the design, the building of the formula, the testing, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, that is kind of like bare minimum, I'd say. 30 months would be a tough time to wait for me to get that product to market. I know. You just must be it's, so excited by the time it hits shelves. Yeah, that's the thing is like a year feel, even a year is like so challenging. But yeah. at the same time, like there's just so many steps that you kind of always feel like you're running behind. Absolutely. So somebody is new to Coco Kind, where would you tell them to start as far as what products they should try and why? You know, I think like a good beginner routine is probably like our oil to milk cleanser, um, which is one of our best sellers. I love that um, cleanser. Yeah, it's like it's just such a and we wanted an oil cleanser, but we wanted people to be able to like wash it off because not everybody loves like cleansing oils. So that's like a really great prop introductory product. And then you know, to keep it really simple, then I would just use a moisturizer and SPF. So, you know, depending on how like intricate people want their routine to be, of course, I use like, you know, a lot of products every day. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, just in terms of like a beginner, then I would say like our texture smoothing cream is a great moisturizer. It has like a really nice satin finish and helps in terms of like smoothing texture. And then an SPF, you know, is just critical. If we're adding, you know, a, a serum and our vitamin C serum is great or um, for specific, you know, kind of uh, acne prone um, concerns, then, then there's like some spot treatments and masks and stuff like that. But I'd say like the, the basics is like you just want to have a clean face. You want to make sure you're moisturizing, adding to your barrier and then protect your skin just from, from UV with SPF. So what does your daily routine look like? And I guess skipping back also to the initial launch, what were those key ingredients that really helped your skin in particular? Yeah, I mean, I used so many, I was, the, the beauty of it was like just with really good ingredients. My skin wasn't sensitive. So I, I could actually, I thought in the beginning that I could only use like this was where I really went on my own journey. It's like, I actually thought in the beginning, like I had to use only like under five ingredients or something are just like really, really simple. But actually that wasn't the case. It was just like certain ingredients and certain prescriptions were just too strong for me. And I was like completely destroying my skin barrier. And I had this mentality, like I need to like kill my acne and like everything should sting when it, you know, <laughs> it's not like the redness is natural, like, et cetera. And that, so I, my, my, when I first got into really researching, I had this idea that it was like, I just had to strip it down to like very few ingredients. 
I still believe in like the simplicity of good ingredients, but it actually is just like in the overall formula, like the gentle formula that's microbiome supporting us, pH balance, like those things I never really have an issue with if we're, if we're formulating to that standard. And so for me, like, I mean, yeah, like I am not only using, I only use Cococine, but I also am like testing, you know, new products like every day. So for me, I always do cleanser. I use our rose water toner, our, our raspberry toner, and I do like the whole thing. So I do like essence, a serum, a moisturizer, and then an oil and then SPF. And then I have like my eye cream and like, <laughs> you know, like I, it is. And then like in between there, I'll like today, I like was trying uh, something in between there that we're, we're uh, launching next year. And yeah, so there's, there's always like random things that get put in there. And then some days where I'm testing new things, I only use that product and I don't do anything else. But for the most part, like I do have like a pretty elaborate uh, routine that is now just like my my skin just like drinks it up. And, and I feel like that hydration and it's all about just like hydration and that barrier support. And so that's where I just kind of make sure that I'm always like replenishing. Well, I just used your resurfacing mask last uh-huh. night yeah. that I put in my mini fridge. So it was cold when I put mm. it on and I, I love that product of yours. Yeah. It's like one of my favorites. I think it's like, it completely changed my skin. I used to have like a bunch of subclinical acne and through the development of that product, which we developed, you know, four years ago, then, you know, it just completely changed that. And so, yeah, I'm just like a huge proponent of the sleep mask. You have super interesting ingredients in your products. How do you think about, I don't want to say like the trendy ingredient, but, or maybe it's discovering kind of cutting edge, what's new within skincare ingredients. I think what we try to do is like, we don't want to be overly trendy. You know, we want to see what is new and emerging and then see what the research is and lean into those. I think this this really interesting world right now where we're merging like those ingredients that are, you know, food plant-based with really interesting, like more clinical ingredients and merging those two worlds into our product. So, and, and doing it in like a really gentle way. And so, I mean, we are always meeting with the, the, the raw material manufacturers and understanding what's new. We're also have a lot of relationships like directly with many like actual manufacturers or, or growers of these ingredients like chia seed in Peru or, you know, rose water or roses. Like we, we have really strong relationships. So we can also like hear a little bit about like how these are done to maximize the, how the manufacturing is done to maximize benefits. But it, it, when it comes to like t- traditional skincare ingredients, like we're just out there always doing a lot of research and, and just kind of seeing like what we feel like is not just trendy, but like it's actually got like the efficacy story to make it like a worthwhile investment. What is your favorite kind of hero ingredient of yours right now? I think green tea is always just like matcha is like such a such an amazing ingredient. And it's like one of the most well-studied ingredients in skincare. I what think. are some of, for people who don't know, what are some of the benefits of matcha for skin? Yeah, I mean, it's just a, a ton of antioxidants. You're getting catechins, uh, chlorophyll, and then you get some caffeine benefit too. But but those are, it's just really deeply cleansing too. I think green tea is always just like such a staple. Turmeric is also a really amazing ingredient for skin. And there's a lot of cultural significance. But uh, in addition to that, there's just 
there is a lot of amazing benefits topically as well. And so those two are like kind of like staples and we've had them in our line for a long time. And then I think like one of the most like underrated ingredients that we have in a couple of our products is glycerin. It's like not a super sexy ingredient, but is always something that like I appreciate in a formula because it is a humectant and it can draw in moisture into your skin. And it also is like so good at doing that and and an affordable price too when formulating. It's just a a really good functional ingredient as a staple in in many types of formulations. I love the intersection now of all these ingredients like turmeric and matcha that can be both topical and ingested. Yep, yep. So in addition to, you know, products putting on your skin, what other recommendations do you have for good skin beyond products that you've experienced or seen? Yeah, I mean, I think skincare is only like the last 5%, you know, and and it's everything else. But like me, like, I think it's also just like people recognizing that like a lot of skin is genetics. And like you can be doing everything you possibly can to have quote unquote healthy skin, but you can still have breakouts because it's just like runs in your genes. And like that's the case for me. But generally, I'd say, you know, of course, there's like the it starts with like diet, right? Like, and that is something that like I definitely don't do that well, but like eating healthy fats, like I eat a lot of random stuff and like, I definitely (laughs) don't eat that clean. Um, But like the one thing that I do do is eat a lot of healthy fats. So like I like douse olive oil and like everything and avocado. And I just, I try to have like a lot of healthy fats in my diet, omegas too, through fish, even though I eat like at least like one dessert a day like I definitely make sure that I have like the good stuff in there too um (laughs) but that being said like yeah like processed foods like not the best and just trying to eat organic and as much as possible is is also something that that I believe in so yeah it starts with diet and then of course there's lifestyle um sleep that's a huge thing sleep is like I think it's the the less you sleep the more stress that your body has, which is that shows in your skin, whether in tone or through breakouts or whatever it is. So it, there's just a lot of like ripple effects with, with less sleep. So that's also something that I struggle with, um, especially having a newborn. And so, you know, I think all those things that make up like, just like what you, any person would think of like a healthy lifestyle is going to be great for your skin too. I didn't know that you had a newborn. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. As you are now embarking on juggling a newborn and the business this is a great segue into, you know, really how you deal with work-life balance and kind of the roller coaster of being mm-hmm. an entrepreneur. How, how has that been for you? Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's hard. You know, I'm, I'm, my, my son is four months old and my husband and I both work a lot and we, you know, are fortunate that like, uh, you know, we have um, a su- support at home and we are able to, you know, the, the dollars that we make go into to uh, our son having a nanny. And that is just so extremely helpful. And our nanny is amazing. She's so loving. And, you know, one, one thing that's nice is that because we have been working from home, like I haven't, I don't know, 
I think I would have so much more anxiety when I had returned back to work if I was like going into an office, but we were like in the same floor of the home. So it's like that has been like a silver lining with COVID actually. But I think gen- so, so there's like, or, you know, you deal with like the mom guilt of like working and not spending enough time. But I think that I've just like that's significantly better because of the COVID situation and me working from home. But beyond that, I think like we're very new to this and just still kind of figuring it out. But there's like only we only have room for a couple things these days. And that is like the baby work and sleep and like maybe a workout, you know, and that's like a very big maybe. And then, you know, some days if we're really lucky, there might be like a time for us to just like chill or like relax. And we kind of, you know, support each other in having those moments. But um, like I said, we're really fortunate to have the support at home. And so without that, I think it would be extremely hard for us to be working this much. Yeah. It's so nice to have these COVID silver linings. So I'm glad that it's been a positive in that way for you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Have you ever thought as a solo founder that you wanted to have a partner? Yeah, there's. Uh, I, did you start um, your, yourself? I did. Yeah. yeah. And I, I definitely get this question all the time. So okay. I'm always curious to hear from other solo founders yeah. what their feeling is as well. I think like, yes and no. Like I've never, I've never regretted starting the business by myself at all. Like, but you know, to that end, over six years now, there's been the majority of that time feeling lonely you know, and you're on this journey alone. I think people who start a business without somebody like you do end up just at the end of the day, you're you're kind of like a lone ranger. Sometimes I have like incredible support with my husband who basically is like, you know, a, a partner for me at home that supports me so much that it's almost um, like, it's almost like he's, he is in the business with me practically because I can vent to him every day and and but you know for for many years that wasn't the case and you know I I think it's just like you do even with that support at the end of the day like you're kind of in this you're running it and you're doing it and you're kind of doing it by yourself and I do feel like sometimes when I see other businesses where they have like several co-founders or like even just one other co-founder I'm like oh wow like imagine you know if there's someone that was just like fully in it with you every day for many many years and uh, I think that would be an incredible partnership too. But for me, that wasn't my journey. And I don't like, I think that it's made me strong in many ways. And it's maybe had, you know, made a lot of mistakes along the way too. And, you know, I don't know. I think it's, it's just, it wasn't a part of my journey. And, and I appreciate like the growth that it, it brought to me, just like having to, to lead by myself too. Yeah. I feel the same way. It was definitely meant to be. And, there's mm-hmm. ups and there's positives and negatives, I think, in, in both scenarios for, for sure. sure. Yeah. You definitely yeah. hear those horror stories as well. Oh, having yeah. partners. <laughs> yeah, it definitely work out. So <laughs> yeah. As you think about, you know, some of those hardships along the way in the last six years, like what are some of those areas that you think have been hard and difficult and maybe unexpected? Obviously, a lot all of this is unexpected, but maybe more so difficult than others. You know, I, I think that the longer I do this, the more that I don't know. And that's just yeah. like, it's kind of crazy to think about. But like, you go into different stages of the business and you realize like, oh my God, I thought that <laughs> I had this down. I thought, 
if you heard me talk about this a year ago, it's like, I would be like embarrassed to hear myself. Right. And like, like the more you go through this, you realize like, okay, I have to change the way I think about something. And I have to self-reflect. I have to change the way I do something or I carry on. I think, I think like being in this position, you do have to be so self-reflective. And, and unfortunately that means that like, I can be like really hard on myself too, where, you know, I'm like, I shouldn't have done that. Or, you know, this was a bad like decision or whatever it is. Like I'm always focused on the growth at the end of the day and like, and, and trying to give myself allowance for that. But you do kind of just like run through it in your day to day of like all the things that we should have done or I should have done in particular, or I could have done differently, et cetera. So that that's there. I think the other thing is just like with the business, there's just always something, right? Like your whole like existence is basically solving problems mm-hmm. every day. I mean, not necessarily. Like there's a lot of like opportunities that you get to to seize, and there's a lot of exciting stuff. But like, yeah, where you're when you're really in it, it's like it's mostly the hard stuff. And so I never had sleep issues ever before starting this business, and now you know uh, there were many. Not, right now it's fine because I have a baby, and I'm just so tired. <laughs> but, like, but like before, you know, I had a lot of sleep anxiety actually, and you know, that that's hard. I think the other thing is like, you just have to realize like with the job, you are working weekends, you're working all the time, not because you like have to a lot of the time, but because you want to, but sometimes you have to. And that (laughs) is that is a choice you're making in this position for your life for your your family, etc. Like it has a lot of implications beyond just you. And so yeah, that, that can be also difficult too. So, and then I think like, yeah, so it's just a combination of like, just, you know, you're, you're constantly self-reflecting, you're working a ton, you have more anxiety. <laughs> and I think at the end of the day, like I always tell people who are like considering starting businesses, like, I think there's most people in the world, like can probably, will probably be happier at the end of the day, like just being a part of the workforce instead of starting something on their own. And I don't necessarily like... I love what I do. I'm so passionate about it. Like I wouldn't do anything else, but like, I don't know, it's, it's a pretty tough job. And there are more days being like a little bit miserable and like a little bit anxious about stuff than not. So I think just being really honest to myself about that is, is, is important. Yeah. There's a lot of sacrifices along the way and yeah, it's no doubt extremely challenging and a roller coaster. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So switching to positive on the business, <laughs> what's your best, most memorable, like happiest moment of Coco Kind? Oh, God, there's been so many, you know, thankfully. I think one of the things that sticks out to me is like going back to that first year. And when in that first month, like I, the first month of quote unquote launching, which really means nothing because like nobody knew about us. And like, he had like total of like one visitor to the website every day, which was me. And like, yeah, so it was like really launching meant nothing, but I spent the first month like hitting up all the local whole food stores in my region. And um, because the regional, you know, wasn't getting back to me. Anyways, I had bothered enough of them over a 30 day period. <laughs> I like literally drove all over Northern California. I would drop off samples and try to just like get a meeting with the in-store buyer. And like 30 days in, the regional person emailed me being like, Hey, there's been a lot of interest from our stores to bring you on as a local vendor. And I, that like was really early on and it was super exciting to me because 
uh, my entire idea of like a consumer product at that time was like, we're going to sell, we want, I want to see it in stores. And like, I had no idea about this world of D2C, which is, you know, so much of who we, we, we've become today. But at that time was like the entire idea of like existing to me meant like, oh, seeing your product on a retail shelf. And that was such an exciting email and time period for me. And then I would do like insane amount of demos every single week and all that stuff. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that, that initial win was, was really fun. Yeah. There's nothing like getting Whole Foods on board to give that validation. Yeah, exactly. And I think it makes me just think of the first time that we met was, I think it was a UNFI show, but trying to get product into retail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is there that or Expo West or something like that? So what is next for Cocoa Kind? What's on the horizon? You know, we are just growing and we're trying to figure out how to scale our business, both like the, the, the brand and the business and the organization. And there's a lot of challenges that come with that. But we've been really thankful to grow and we want to continue to do so while keeping all of our values like intact and getting better, actually. And so that is like the current moment that we're in. We're um, about 30 employees today and I mean, we've become a remote first organization. So there's just so many people on our team that I feel like I know so closely, but like haven't actually met in person. So that's been really interesting. But, you know, I think we want to continue to reach and, and grow our like really amazing community that we have and just just try to continue to educate people and, and make them feel good about what they're consuming from us. So exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, switching gears into our closing, which is some rapid fire Q&A. What is the best advice that you've received to help your business? Probably like start small or something like that. Like I'm trying to think there's just been so many things, but yeah, probably start small. A common myth about the beauty industry that really bothers you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like more expensive equals better. What's something that brings you joy? Um, reality TV. Oh, what show? If you had um, a quick one. Anything on Bravo, but Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is like my thing. Solid. <laughs> Three things that you're currently loving. It could be product, book, anything. Um, interesting. Uh, so I, um, there's one, one of my friends, Lauren, she has this company called Cure Hydration and it's a, like a hydrating uh, thing and I'm not drinking enough water. So I've been loving that. Um, I am trying out um, a new uh, new product from from Coco Kind that we're launching like a year from now, so it's like so long time. But um, but yeah, loving that. Could you and, give the category that that product is? Um, it's like a gel. Um, okay. Yeah, which is a new format for us. We and will then, stay tuned for a year and a half from now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then I'm trying to think. Oh, I was just like looking at uh these for my son that magnetic me's they're like this huge brand but they it's just like such an easy outfit to put on because everything like snaps and it's magnetic so that that and just like every day i'm like so appreciative of, of that simplicity what is your favorite coco kind product if you could only um, pick one 
Oh God, I don't, I don't really have a favorite to be honest. Cause I, they're just, they're all, they're all like so crucial to my routine. If I had to pick like the one that I use the most, the, the frequency wise, it's in my mantra. Like I, I can never be without. Um, so yeah, I'd say like that's the most like essential. What do you want more of in your life? Um, probably like time for myself and my family. <laughs> what do you want less of? Uh, probably like endless scrolling, um, on my phone, (laughs) a meal that you'll never forget. We, we got married, um, uh, over a year ago and we, we did it like virtually, but we had a really nice, like, it was like a super simple pizza dinner with my immediate, our immediate families. And that was really sweet. Yeah. What is your morning routine like? So typically, well, these days it's really different, but my, our, our baby will wake us up and sometimes several times throughout the night. And, um, but then, you know, we'll, I'll spend some time with him in the morning around like seven to eight. And then, um, and then after that, I'll, um, you know, sometimes I'll make myself a cup of coffee, hopefully try to squeeze in a walk or a, even a 15 minute workout and then just start my day. Um, yeah, it's pretty simple. What is your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? One thing you have to do. Hmm. I think like I, um, yeah, skincare. <laughs> like I think that's just like such a moment for me every, every day and night. Um, that makes me feel, feel good. Do you ever not wash your face at night? Absolutely not. I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, I don't think I've I've washed my face every day for the past. Like anybody, when you have skincare problems, like you're extra vigilant with your skincare routine. And I had friends who like never had skincare issues, and they would like go days without washing their face. But I've washed my face every day for like the past I don't know, fifteen years. All right, last random question: Do you believe that there's a difference between washing your skin with? cold water versus warm water um yeah i think i think warm water is better it's just like a little bit more gentle um you don't want to do hot water but um sometimes i do cold water in the morning just to like wake up a little bit but i would i yeah i think uh i think generally like warm water is probably best priscilla thank you so much for coming on the podcast today where can everybody find you and your amazing products um, you can find us at cococline.com, also at every Target or Whole Foods. Um, and thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.